This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Dirt, an audio drama, is a production of Studio 5705. Chapter 8. Call Kim. Come on. Hi. Hey, can I call you back in a bit? Uh, sure. Did, did you get my text earlier? Ugh, I did. Sorry. It's been a day. Still is. Right now we're heading into a Halloween thing at the elementary school. Oh. Is it Halloween today? No, it's this weekend. Every year, the school does... Hey, hang on. One at a time. Every year, the school does a costume event a few days before Halloween. It's kind of a back-to-school night, meet the teachers, give the kids a sugar rush before bed combo thing. Honestly, I think it might be more for the parents. Right now, I'm dressed up as Princess Leia. Nice. Cinnamon bun hair and everything. No, here. No, we're going in here. This way. Sorry, got my hands full here. (laughs) Clearly. Hey, it's okay. Dad's parking the car. You can go find your friends as soon as he gets I found another one. Wait, what? Hang on. Where are you calling me from? I'm driving away from PL right now. PL? As in the famous tuba fire of 1944 PL? Yep. Well, famous in our family anyway. One of the phrases that you sent from the AI. It's also the title of one of Imo's stories. The places I've been. I'd forgotten all about it. You should look it up. When you get home. You still have your copy? I do, somewhere. I've been meaning to dig it up since you... Okay, shh. Just a minute longer. Mom's talking to Uncle Joseph. So, what was in the box? Another note. And a coin. Whoa. Yeah. I haven't read the note yet. I had to get out of there pretty fast to get away from... Oh, crap. What? I'm getting pulled over. You're what? Someone's pulling me over. I better go. Let me know if you're up late tonight. Sure. Hey, Joseph. Yeah? Be careful who you talk to about this stuff, okay? Right. Gotta go. The lights from the vehicle parked behind me are so bright, I can't see anything in my mirrors except the dark outline of somebody walking up to my door. Thought you could get away that easily, did you? Carl, what are you doing? You can't just pull people over for no... (laughs) What's that? Your fish and wildlife truck? I had a reason. You were doing ten over. How did you find me? There aren't many roads back to I-5 from here. 
Now look. No, you look, Carl. Us meeting back there was just an accident. You can forget that we ever... I know who you are. You know who I am. It was easy enough to run your plates. Again, Carl, you can't just go doing stuff like that without... Like I said, you were trespassing. I'm not trying to give you any trouble. So what else do you know about me? Well, I know you own a big company and are kind of a big shot. I mean, Google makes that easy enough to see. Wish I could take weekend trips to Bali. <laughs> the fishing I could do there. So what? You have my address too? Uh, Promontory Lane. I don't know Seattle well, but something tells me you probably got a nice view there. <laughs> any of that stuff you told me about your grandpa true? Is that really why you were here? Yeah. He taught at that school a long time ago. I see Carl look through the back passenger window where the coin master is resting on the back seat. I saw what that thing did. That old coin master led you to the spot that you dug up. That ding-dang detector pulled you. I don't know what you mean. Oh, come on now. I saw the look on your face when it happened. So tell me, what kind of stuff are you into? UFO technology? Huh? Something from the future, like Terminator or Back to the Future, part two. Carl. Quantum mechanics? Multiverse? I don't have to answer any of this. I hear they're working on some really wild undercover stuff over at Hanford these days. Let me guess, you're connected to that. And I don't have to stay here. Paranormal stuff? You know, there are a lot of ghost stories about that old school. I'm leaving now. And don't try to follow me this time, or I'll get my people involved. You know, the feds are hiding alien spacecraft, right? Maybe in old missile silos in eastern Washington? Good night, Carl. But wait, wait up. Maybe I can help you. Dude. In my rearview mirror, I see Carl quickly get back in his truck. Ugh. The orange lights on top of his rig come back on. I see his headlights flicker, as though he's coming after me. Oh, jeez. I turn right onto the first road I come to. Then I quickly turn left onto another road, hoping to leave Carl in the dust, or, at least, leaving him guessing where I've gone off to. I wasn't planning to head home anyway, but now that Carl knows where I live, and who knows what else, suddenly, everything feels unsafe. I turn down another side road, and then another, driving deeper and deeper into the forest, with each random compass change. After several minutes, I pull onto a dirt turnout that looks like the start of a logging road. I drive about a quarter of a mile farther down the dirt road, away from the paved road, and kill the engine, and turn off the headlights. Oh. I reach into my pocket and take out the note that was in the box. I use the dim light of my phone screen to read it. It's similar to the one in Wapato, a short, handwritten message on Imo and Vivian's stationery. This time, it simply reads, Joseph, congratulations. You found another one. Keep searching, Imo. And then, underneath it all, a giant handwritten capital letter R. R? 
What is that supposed to mean? Oh, the stupid letter. Oh. Let's at least see where I am. I open up my phone's map app to figure out how to get back to the freeway. And that's when I realize. Of course. There's no cell service. I look around and realize it's completely dark in every direction. No lights, no stars or moon in the overcast night sky. Just inky darkness. So since Monday, I've almost gotten killed, become the laughing stock of the internet, bought a secret second phone, hid in a bathroom, skipped out on work, Oh, and I started a background check on an old friend. And I'm being followed. <laughs> and now I'm lost. And then there's you. What is the deal with you? Ah. <sighs> Talk about ghosts in the machine. Jeez. What the fuck? Hey. Maybe you can direct me out of here. Which way should I turn onto the road? How about this way? In my early 20s, when I was visiting Vivian in Portland one time, I asked her what the Columbia River was like when she was a child, growing up in Yakima. She got a faraway look in her eyes as she recalled trips throughout eastern Washington with her parents and friends. She described a wild, surging river that flowed without restraint through the stark desert landscape. A crashing, whitewater beast, especially in places like Celilo, the Dalles and Kettle Falls, on a scale unimaginable 
whose pulsing white water and swirling green currents raged over basalt cliffs and through massive canyons, and could drown out voices 100 feet from shore. Today's Colombia looks a lot different than the river the ancestors and ancient peoples of this region knew. 14 dams from British Columbia to near the Pacific Ocean have flooded and tamed its storied currents and salmon runs. But I often think of Vivian's words and I hear her voice in my head when I drive along the river as I am now on Highway 14 heading east on the Washington side. It's late now, around midnight. The fast food I ate a couple hours ago is keeping me full. I haven't heard back from Kim, but she clearly had her hands full. I text a bit more with Mel during the drive. She lets me know she'll have a full report tomorrow. And, on a whim, I text Antonia, even though I'm sure she's asleep, just to let her know where I'm at. At the junction with Highway 97, I turn south and cross the bridge over the river to the Oregon side, to the tiny town of Biggs Junction, which isn't much more than a truck stop on Interstate 84, perched on a rocky bench above the river. I book a room at a motel that has seen better days. But it'll do for tonight. So you're probably wondering how I knew to go to PL and why I searched near a water faucet. The tuba fire story is one we all heard growing up and one that Imo does recount in more detail in a different story in his collection. As a young and newly married graduate from Central Washington University in 1944, Imo landed his first job as an educator at the PL school. He taught music and history to third through sixth graders. <coughs> On a rare spring day when the weather was cooperating, Imo ushered his band students outside for a school picture. Yet before the cameraman could snap the photo, Imo noticed smoke pouring out of the window of the electrical room. He quickly grabbed the tuba from a girl named Winifred and filled its big bell up with water from the nearby faucet. He ran inside and poured the water on the flames before they could cause any more damage. The students were left outside, bewildered. But before long, they heard the familiar bass tones of John Philip Sousa's Manhattan Beach March, a song they had been learning that week. It was Imo playing the tuba from inside the electrical room to make sure that the tuba's valve still worked. Imo had helped repair the outdoor faucet only days earlier. Had it remained broken, who knows how bad the fire damage might have been. He saved the day on two counts and was awarded a special commendation by the school district supervisor. Imo and Vivian lived in PL for two years. Of all the places to search there, how did I know to go right to the old school and specifically the faucet? For someone who doesn't live on hunches, I seem to be on a hot streak lately. I'm hoping the hot streak continues in the morning, not far from here.
I'm in my childhood bedroom. It's dark, except for the nightlight plugged into the wall near me. It's well past bedtime, but I'm awake. And I'm listening. The lights in the house are still on. I walk softly down the hallway, invading a nighttime world that I know isn't meant for me. But right now, the thing I want to see most in the world is in the basement. The thing I want to see the most is right inside this door. All I need to do is open it. It's not even seven yet, and both phones have had a busy morning. From inside my room, I peek through an opening in the blackout curtains and scan the rocky, treeless landscape surrounding the motel and nearby gas stations. It's sunny and bright outside. Semi-trucks barrel down I-84, and just beyond it, the river is calm in the gorge below. It's Thursday. The day before the meeting with Molecular, one of the most consequential meetings of my career. And it's barely on my mind. Call Kim. <clears throat> Hi. Hey. Now still a good time? It is. At least for the moment. <laughs> You're going over to Mary Hill. Yeah. Right. It's a pretty big park. Any idea where to look? I knew you were going to ask me that. Well? Not yet. I'm hoping something comes to me <sighs> when I get there. Who are you and what have you done with my scientist brother? <laughs> hey now. There does seem to be some methodology to all this. I mean, making the connections between the letter and the movies and the stories. Thanks for your help on that, by the way. Sure.
Even so, I kind of like this new you. Winging it. <laughs> so, what about this Carl guy? Yeah. Not sure what to do about that yet. <laughs> You're collecting quite a following. A few of the dads wore your costume to the school dress-up thing last night. A couple of them even went with the missing eyebrow. Looks like you're the hot trend for Halloween this year. Seriously? Don't worry. No one pulls it off quite like you, though. Great. Oh, I found my copy of IMO Stories last night. The places I've been. Who knew? So, are you going in order? I mean, first P.L., then Mary Hill, then... Whoa. Whoa? What's up this time? It's... Antonia. It's... Antonia. Whoa. Yeah. Hey, I'm at the park now. Let me check in again in a bit. Um, yeah. Bye. Antonia gets out of her white truck and stands next to it. She brushes her long hair back with her hand and adjusts her black sunglasses. She's wearing the same down jacket that she had on at the farm. I thought maybe you could use some help. Well, technically, my dad thought you needed help. He pretty much insisted on it. And since he's also my boss. You did ask us to help out, remember? And you did say you'd be here today in your text last night. Sorry. I'm just surprised to see you. You drove down here this morning? Yeah. It's not far. Hmm. Don't you have a business to run? Stuff to... I don't know. Don't you? You know I'm not totally sure what I'm doing here. Or what I'm going to do, for that matter. I guess that makes two of us. So, do you need help getting anything out of the car, or...? I was actually just going to walk around for a bit first. It's been a while since I've been here. Oh. I can just wait here in the truck until you need something. <laughs> no. I mean, you came all this way. Might as well join me? Okay, then. We walk from the paved lot onto a wide expanse of mowed grass. The lawn is green, despite months of intense heat. Toward the river, tall, leafy trees grow in groves, especially near the water's edge. Everything else within sight, besides the blue sky and the gray river, is shades of yellow and rust, including the steep rocky hills above us and the tall cliffs far across the river on the Oregon side. We talk about how we were both here at Mary Hill for Imo's memorial when we were kids, even though neither of us remembers it well, other than it being hot and windy enough to blow away unsecured lawn chairs and paper plates, and that there were lots of people around. 
Our families' lives cross paths many times and at many places throughout the years. But it occurs to me now, as we walk not far from the river, that this is probably the first place that Antonia and I were ever at together. It's so weird that he's doing all this. You mean Imo? Yeah. You said doing, so I was just making sure. You make it sound like he's still around, doing stuff. Yeah. My grandparents are buried near here. Ernesto and Lucila. Oh yeah? They loved to camp and fish here when they were older. They had a little boat that they would put in at the ramp over there. They spent most of their lives up on the farm, obviously. But this was kind of like their other place. Huh. They bought plots at the cemetery years before they died. It always feels weird to me that people plan ahead for that sort of thing. <laughs> Same here. I mean, I guess kudos to them for being prepared. <laughs> Have you been to the cemetery? Just once. A long time ago. Hmm. Where's it at? It's up the hill from here. Not far. Want to go up there now? Don't you have stuff to do down here? Yeah. I mean, last night in PL, I was pretty sure what to do, based on stuff that I know. But here... I'm pretty sure Imo's memorial was at one of these picnic shelters. I was hoping just being here would trigger something. <laughs> Not the greatest plan, is it? I mean, I guess we could go up there. Okay, yeah, let's go. I'd love to see all this from above anyway. It might help put things in perspective. Okay, I'll drive? Sure. You know, when I got to your farm the other day and got to that security gate, when did you have that put in, by the way? About five years ago. Ah. Well, when I got to it, I actually tried some number combinations on the keypad. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that would work. I mean, I only had a 1 in 10,000 chance of getting it right. <laughs> and then that guy came on the phone. Yeah, that's Hernan. Hernan. Right. I mean, none of you knew I was coming, so I was already out of sorts. And then when he asked me for a keyword, I fumbled around for a bit and thought for sure I was a goner. But then the only thing that came to mind that wasn't a dumb guess was your middle name. But I didn't remember until a second ago that that was your grandmother's name, too. Anyway, why have keywords, by the way? I mean, if somebody doesn't know the code. I guess you never know who might need to be allowed in. You know, in an emergency or whatever. It's just a failsafe. Failsafe. Right.
A view to die for. Really? <laughs> Do you remember where they are? I don't. I'll have to look around. Ah, oh, sorry. I gotta take this. It's for work. Okay if I join you in just a minute? Sure. Mel, hey. What's up? Quite a bit. You alone? Yeah. Okay. For starters, I feel compelled to remind you that the fate of the company depends on how well the meeting with Molecular goes tomorrow. Yeah. I know. People are seriously wondering if you are going to show or not. Yeah. Well, that doesn't sound promising. No, no. No. I obviously need to be there. You probably haven't checked your work messages yet. I haven't yet today. I was going to do that. Angela's just... basically taking over. I mean, I'd say she's doing it respectfully. Everyone knows you're out for personal reasons, and so they're trying not to bug you, her especially. But, you know, nothing brings out initiative in people like a perceived leadership gap at a time of crisis. I think they like her. The Germans? Yeah. Okay. I'll reach out to her. The inner six are worried that if you don't show, the whole thing might go down in flames. The feeling is that Molecular values accountability over everything. Don't forget, they already have you on that behavior policy. How could I forget? So, the next thing. Turns out we're not the only ones who want the traffic cam footage from Monday. My contact at Lincod tells me the police are after it now, too. The police? Apparently, the driver behind the car that almost hit you slammed her brakes so hard that she's in the hospital with back pain. That siren you told me you heard as you left the crosswalk and headed for Roasted? That wasn't for you. Crap. And because of the media frenzy, her lawyer is taking advantage of it. It'll probably be in the news later. But also, not only are the police obtaining the footage, they're aware that we asked for it already. I think our story is holding up, but I'd say we're pretty freaking under the microscope now. Oh. So wait, does this make Costume Jaywalker some kind of fugitive? Well, there is a tiny bit of good news, depending on what you're hoping to hear. The check on Salvador Flores came back clean. I look over at Antonia. She's still walking around the cemetery. A gust of wind blows her long black hair in all directions. Well, that's good to hear, I guess. But there is some interesting activity on his business. How so? So Flores Farms LLC recently applied to acquire a large tract of land adjacent to his property. Based on the map I was sent, it looks like it's uphill from the existing farm. About 110 acres, undeveloped, held in a land trust of some kind. Hmm. Well, that doesn't seem too unusual. A farm looking to expand. Does the name R.A. Hastings mean anything to you? R.A. Hastings? Can't say it does. Why? That's the name attached to the land trust. 
R.A. Hastings. I did a quick search. <laughs> of course you did. Anything? It's probably just a coincidence. What? There's an R.A. Hastings on the board of Memphis Labs. Isn't that the company your sister works at? You mean as a partner at? Yeah. Whoa. How are you finding all this out, by the way? Do you really want to know? No. I'm already sorry I dragged you into any of this. Well, crap. That gives me a lot to think about. So, there's one more thing. The person with the red headphones, they were following you in Belltown pretty much from the time you exited the parking garage, at least as far as I can tell, all the way to the crosswalk. That's troubling. Yeah. Unfortunately, I can't tell if they or anyone else left anything in the street for you to find. The footage at the crosswalk is grainy and there are a lot of people around you. Maybe it came from someone in the car? Maybe. But that's not all. I was kind of hoping it would be. Now, this is just my interpretation of what I'm seeing. But we both know I'm pretty much right about these things. In each of the camera views, there's a small object in the air. And it keeps a steady distance above you. Again, the footage is too grainy to make out much detail. But it's clearly there in all of them. You think it's a drone? Joseph, I don't know where you're at or what you're doing, but I'd definitely keep one eye on the sky if I were you. I crane my neck upward and gaze into the bright blue ceiling all around me. Out of the corner of my eye, I see Antonia staring back at me, looking puzzled. I wave and smile at her to let her know I'm almost finished. You still there? Yeah. Sorry. Mel, this is great information. Disturbing for the most part, but great. Thank you. I'll check in again in a bit. How are you holding up? I'm taking more smoke breaks than usual. Ugh, sorry about that. Your mom will never know. Your secret's safe with me. So kind of you. Sorry about that. Any luck? Yeah. They're right here. Two dark headstones stand next to each other in the brown grass, each with names and dates etched into them. They still look new compared to many of the others, some of which look like they could be centuries old. I see Antonia turn her head away, looking out toward the view of the river gorge below, then up in the air. She seems to be looking for something. You okay? Then I hear it too. Wait, what is that? A faint buzzing noise. And then, barely visible against the blue expanse, a tiny black dot. We both stare up in the air and then exchange glances. She obviously sees something on my face, because she says, Whoa, you look worried. So, I guess I should tell you. Look, I don't know for sure, but it's possible I'm being followed. Without a word, Antonia quickly walks out of the cemetery. I can see her looking for something behind her driver's seat. I look back up and see the black dot hovering high overhead. I use my hand to block the sun, 
to try to make out any detail. Whoa! How did you... We should get out of here. Before someone comes looking for it. Dirt, an audio drama, is a production of Studio 5705 and is written, directed, and produced by me, Chris Cayella. This chapter features the voice talents of Jeannie Leslie as Kim, Aaron Patterson as Carl, Megan Morales as Antonia, and Jesse Brown as Mel. I play the part of Joseph. It also features the woodworking sounds of Ken Cayella and the violin playing of Arvo Cayella. For more information about Dirt, an audio drama, visit dirtaudiodrama.com. And for the latest updates, please follow the show on Twitter. If you like what you hear, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And tell your friends and family. Thank you very much for listening. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It's the last days of summer, 1920. Do you know where your children are? They should be playing outside. Come on, Chelsea. Mima says we're not allowed to go to this house. We're not even supposed to be on this side of town. Doing their chores. Why aren't these chicken coops clean? Please, Father. I'll be good. I'll be- <laughs> ah! Oh, God! <laughs> Obeying their parents. You look me right in the eyes and tell me you didn't steal this bike. Ma, no, I've been helping Mr. Diamond, all right? Lord, don't tell me my son is working at a speakeasy. Exploring their feelings. Let's go over to the apple tree. Gosh, <laughs> okay. But unfortunately for these young fools, the neighborhood bully has other plans. Tonight, you are going to meet me out in front of the old Barnaker house. Howling house? Why? <laughs> now, a Boy Scout, a tag-along, a doormat, and a delinquent will dare to spend the night in the most haunted estate in Arkham. Will they survive to see the sunrise, or will they succumb to the hunger of Howling House? You're going to die tonight. What is that thing? Is this, this the witch's library? I'm gonna kill you! Not tonight! Roger, make him stop! No! You watch! Run away, little ones. I'm so hungry. Listen to the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program's award-winning season, Night at Howling House. The complete story, available everywhere you listen to podcasts, and at CthulhuMystery.com. Oh, yeah.
all the outs and free, all the outs and free. <laughs>